eventually we just like get into the flow of the podcast. Yeah, I, think that's I mean, how, I don't know. He was talking about in like a something where oh my gosh, he said Joe Rogan does something like that for his podcast where he just like takes people and like hangs out with them for the day, and then by the time they're like four hours in, he just hits play and they're just like, oh yeah, we're just talking on a podcast. Interesting. Okay. Whenever I, I wonder if that's what like Brady James and Jared are trying to do with theirs. Because when I was there, kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Yeah. Because I just like started talking and we were having a conversation, and Mm -hmm. then they go, "Oh yeah, we've been recording for 20 minutes." (laughs) I was like, "What?" (laughs) We were talking about like frogs and stuff. (laughs) Or no, it was. You can't have a podcast without starting with something completely unrelated to the episode. Exactly. That's just like against the rules. It's true. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So. Well, where are we? Well, now that we're here, let's just like get into it. Um, welcome back to the Entertainment Inquisition. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined by my friend, Emma. Emma, say hi. Howdy, howdy. All right. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about one of our favorite movies. It is so good. It is I'm, the goat. It is so good. It's just the goat. It really is. They have go- They have a song about goats. They do have a song oh about gosh, goats. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and that's the best song of the movie. It is. Well, I think that's a hot take for some people, yeah. but for us, it's true. Mm-hmm. I have a little, uh, I have thoughts about that later, but. Okay, we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> but today we are talking about The Sound of Music. Woo! Ooh. We're also going to be talking about nuns, because clearly you kind of have to. Uh-huh. Um, there are nuns in the movie. Be none the one. Nope, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right, well. I took a stand-up comedy class once, and now I think I can crack a joke in a moment's notice. That's not how it works. works. I think you're, like, slightly more qualified than I am, though. Okay. I'll try. Well, I mean, mm. (laughs) you've got got some one-liners up your sleeve. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see how they come out. Um, Yeah, for those of you who are listening, I know you're probably like, Allison, this is way different than all of your other podcasts (laughs) because you're cracking jokes and messing up. And yes, I am because this one is actually being recorded live. I don't have a script. Mm. We're just like going for it today. This is like a conversation. It is a conversation. This is weird for me too because I'm actually able to have a conversation. Whoa. What is this? I'm just talking and the words are flowing out. This never happens for me. This is wonderful. It's the sound of music. That's what it does. That's what it does. Well, I just have a, I have a short list here, and Emma was laughing at my list of things I want to talk about. (laughs) But first thing we're going to talk about is, well, actually, we should just kind of give, like, a quick, like, what happened in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we'll start out. There's this girl named Maria. She's in the mountains. She's singing because mm-hmm. the hills are alive with the sound, sound of, music. of music. Roll credits. Yes, that is the whole movie, actually. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but then she goes back to the convent. Um, they're talking about Maria's kind of a problem. She's just, like, off, free-spirited, which I don't think is a problem. No. But apparently the nuns think so. Yeah. We'll talk about it's that later. <laughs> Um, but then after she comes back to the convent, they send her out into the world and say, maybe you shouldn't be here. Go and be a governess for this family for a little while. She's like, okay, I'll go. Shows up. These children are horrible. Mm -hmm. They, they're struggling. There's some trauma there. Their mother died. Their father is emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad. You know, pretty casual. It is. But, um, Maria, you know, starts cracking jokes with them. They start trying to get her to leave, but she's just not having it because she's on a mission from God, you know? And um, eventually she steals the hearts of the children and their father, even though he's got this, like, you know, really great side chick going on right now. Sorry. (laughs) 
That's I watched a live version of Sound of Music once, and that's what we had to do anytime the Baroness came on screen. Was like make cat like cat claws and hiss, and just go like. <laughs> it was like an entire theater's worth of not not like a movie theater. I'm talking like a theater theater. Oh my goodness! It was a giant screen, and everybody was just like. Anytime the Baroness came on screen, I actually I love that so much. It's so bad, but I love it. You know, you know how like Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of does that, where people will go to the theaters and dress up and like act. It was that, but with the Sound of Music. Interesting. Okay. And people dressed up as nuns instead of um, what Rocky Horror. Yeah. People dress. Did people dress as Nazis? I hope not. I don't think so. Okay, well, that's... I hope not. That's good. I think... I did not see any. Also, the dressing as (laughs) nuns is probably a little... Did you get it? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. No, no, it's good. I'm sorry. I'm really quick. I'll get you canceled. (laughs) It's fine. Nobody listens to this anyway. Uh. (laughs) Except for my mom. Thanks, mom. (laughs) Please don't cancel me. Where were we? Oh, yeah, yeah. So she captures the heart of the children and their dad. But then she's like, whoa, I can't be with this guy because I'm supposed to be a nun. So then she runs away back to the convent. And Mother Superior is like, bro, why are you here? (laughs) Like, you got this man here that you're in love with and he loves you too. Like, go marry him. You know, climb every mountain. And Maria's like, I guess I have to. Goes back. Finds out he's engaged to the side chick. She's like, oh, no. Side chick leaves, though, because she realizes that he's in love with her. Not, no. The side chick realizes that he is not in love with her. He's in love with Maria. Mm -hmm. I think people got what I said, but I wanted to clarify. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, you know, he proposes to Maria. Basically, they, like, have this cute little song, and then he's just like, who do I need to ask to propose? And I'm like, amazing? But you guys have never been on a date. No. And you've never actually been emotionally available to her until this moment. You can't marry a man you just met. It's true. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. But they get married. Beautiful ceremony. Mm. I mean, honestly, just like the whole... It's at the convent. I want that dress. It's beautiful. I want that dress. We can make it. Okay. Let's do that next. All right. Let's take some textiles classes first. Actually, we're <laughs> just going to stop. We're going to stop the podcast now and go do that. Yeah, sorry. Um, either way, uh, they get married. They go on a really long honeymoon. He comes back. He's like... Uh, I don't want to be a Nazi, but they're like, you have to be. So then they run away. The end, basically. Mm-hmm. They did climb every mountain. They literally climbed every mountain. To leave the country. To book it the heck out of Austria, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, they're in Austria. They were in Austria. Yes. Where did they go? They went to Switzerland? Probably. Switzerland was neutral, so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that is the movie. So. Questions? Comments? Concerns? Any? Any heresies? Uh, Probably. none, none yet. All right. We could probably find some, but, <laughs> um, let's see. First thing I have on the list to talk about is habits. What are they? I think the main thing, the reason why I wrote this down was because at the beginning, Maria's like running in mm-hmm. and she does not have her habit on and they're like, oh, Maria. Mm. So, Emma, mm-hmm. what are habits? See, now I feel like I should have done my research. I, <laughs> <laughs> so, um... At least as far as I know, uh, a habit is just kind of the dress that most, like, consecrated religious will wear um, that kind of matches their community, kind of shows what some of their charisms are, and it's like your wedding dress to God. It's really cool, really beautiful. Um, 
I know that with the community that I'm discerning with, the habit that they wear is like a white dress with a black scapular with a front and then a brown belt. It's it's so cute. It's so cute. Mm. I love it. And then their their veil has like a little headband in it so they just can flip it on and off throughout the day. But yeah, it's just kind of an outward sign and expression of the commitment and the devotion that you have to God. And um, yeah, I know that like back way the heck back in the day, like habits were just um, meant to reflect what the people of the day wore. So when, uh, or like the people back in that time. So in the medieval era, um, that's kind of the habits that you see today pretty closely reflect what people back then wore on a day-to-day basis. And I know a lot of communities today are kind of doing away with traditional habits in, um, kind of the spirit of just wearing what other everyday people wear. Cause that's where habits came from originally. And some people, um, I don't know. It really depends whether you're more drawn to the tradition or drawn to, like, the charism with the community. I love habits. I think they're beautiful. I want to wear one one day. (laughs) Yeah. I cannot wait. Something I read that when Vatican II went through is when a lot of religious orders stopped requiring habits and went to a more traditional dress, either, Mm -hmm. um, like, kind of a downsize. So, like, the nuns in The Sound of Music, they are wearing, like, a full veil. Everything is covered. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe they're Carmelites, are they? Maybe. I have never looked it up. I always assumed that Carmelites had the brown scapular over front, and so that was... Either Carmelites, I think, maybe are poor Clares. Yeah, they're definitely cloistered. They're they definitely are. They're a cloistered convent. Yes. So they have a very traditional dress. Um, but there was something that when Vatican II went through, they kind of did away with stuff. And actually a lot of sisters left their, um, like, left religious life or stopped discerning religious life because of the absence of habits. Um... So I guess, yeah, what you were saying about how it kind of reflects, like, the dress of the day um, is definitely, like, very cool. But I think that it, like, you can see that there's a correlation between a decline in religious life mm-hmm. and the absence of habits in a religious community. Mm-hmm. There's something so beautiful about, like, that outward expression of your devotion to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but do nuns, and- do nuns have pajamas? Yeah, nuns have pajamas. What, what do they wear to bed, though? Do like do they have like a special like nun pajama? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I, as somebody who has not yet entered into religious life, I don't totally know. But mm-hmm. I think most um, of the sisters that like at least I know have like a sleep shirt and just shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I visited a religious community um, they're like an active cloistered mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of like a, a mix between like an active and contemplative order so they spend a lot of time in the mother house do a lot of like they have like multiple daily holy hours or like hours of prayer they do all the liturgy the hours um, and the rosary and different things and wear the habit mm-hmm. but they're also like out in the community a lot but I remember asking them I was like oh so you know do you guys have like pajamas and they're like yeah we wear like sweatpants and a t-shirt but then to cover up their hair because um, even in that religious community they actually like keep their hair covered from their like fellow sisters also Oh wow! so they have like this like do rag kind of thing so they tie their hair up in it um, for like getting ready for bed and everything I also asked them once I was like do you guys wear any clothes underneath like the habit or is it just like is it just that and they're like oh no we wear you know like like shorts um and a t-shirt underneath but also they shave I asked them about that like do you guys shave your legs that was Um, the one question I forgot to ask them I come and see that kind of would have made her break would would have been a make or break question yeah not actually but (laughs) well I asked them once I was like well um I don't know if I could be a religious sister if I couldn't shave (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and they said, no, you can shave. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess also going into more about religious orders. Um, so Maria is a candidate for the novitiate in her mm-hmm. order. Um, so yeah, I guess, Emma, what do you have knowledge-wise about like the breakdown of what um, becoming a nun looks like? Or do you want me to speak more on that? Mm, I have like a pretty vague idea. I mm-hmm. think you might know a little more than I do. Okay, yeah, what do you got? So from what I understand, a lot of communities will usually have a year-long postulancy where you will just kind of live in with the nuns, kind of see what the life is like. Uh, it's kind of like an introductory step before you really take any vows or are invested, like kind of what they call invested with the habit. So you'll receive like a novitiate habit. You don't really have that as a postulate. You're just wearing kind of like normal clothes. Um, novitiate is like the step up where they give you a habit that's a little different from the rest of the community. Um, the novices that I've been visiting with, they have an all white habit and the further they get in their profession, they add on, like, the black scapula over the front and the belt. Um, and then the, like, veil will change color. So it kind of shows that progression another way. Uh, the novitiate usually lasts a few years. I think two is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, junior professed is the next step after that. It's like that. But you take temporary vows. That lasts for about five years, typically. And then after that, you can become a full professed sister. And you take vows. And that is the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. which is so exciting and beautiful. Yeah, so Maria in the movie is getting ready to go from um, just kind of visiting to actually, like, investing more fully in being a sister. Also, another question, which I think you probably can answer better than I can because mm-hmm. you've actually visited, like, a cloistered community. Um, what is the difference between... So um, when you go and visit a convent, they will have, like, a separate choir mm-hmm. area or, like, chapel for visitors, Um what is, like, the difference in, like, the... They also, like, talk about, like, singing um, together and, like, you can't really, like, sing in the choir with them. What does... Like, what does that symbolize? Why do they do that? Um, just a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. See, that's where I feel like I've broken a few rules because my last visit, they literally took us into the choir with them in the monastery and the whole mm-hmm. time I'm there, I'm just like, there's no way I'm allowed to be back here. Like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> Because um, the guest chapel is so far off to the side that you can't really see the sisters, and it's just that kind of degree of separation. I'm not totally sure what the reason behind that is. I just haven't, like, researched a whole lot about it, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Cool. You might be able to speak more on that with yeah, I'm not a researcher, a quick Google search if I, you know. I'm not 100% sure. I do think it is um, something about, like, having a degree of separation from, you know, the sisters um, with the common people. Because, like, cloistered communities, they... They stay pretty far removed from community um, because, like, their whole, like, work is together as their own community and kind of just, like, stay out of the outside world. So that might be just part of it, just to, like, keep people separate from Mm -hmm. um, what they do on a day-to-day basis, too. This is where it's going to be more fun, I think. Um, (laughs) So now let's let's just kind of, like... I'll see before we get to talk about the captain. Oh, we're talking about the captain now. Oh, let's go! (laughs) Okay, for anybody who has been around me for longer than five minutes, I like to say that I'm waiting for my Maria moment, where it's like, I'm called to the convent, or I am in a convent, but I'm secretly called to marry a rich captain with seven kids. That's the dream. Let's go. I mean... Let's dive into this. Honestly, I think it's anyone's dream. Yeah. Like... Yeah, Captain Von Trapp, even though he was emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. and was kind of rude. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, he was rude. He was not nice. He wasn't. If, yeah. 
And I don't know what what about that, like, made Maria fall for him. Though, honestly, I look at, like, you know, the guys I had crushes on in, like, seventh grade, and I'm like, they were not nice. Yeah, I'm like, I can't say anything. I can't Knowing say me, anything. I cannot say anything. No. <laughs> but you, so, actually, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. When mm-hmm. I was on Brady, James, and Jared's podcast, yeah. um, we were talking about frogs at the beginning. But the reason we were talking about frogs is because they said sometime, or they, there was a Thomistic Institute speaker the night before we recorded mm-hmm. who was talking about C.S. Lewis. And he oh. said to the ladies, he's like, ladies, Gosh, sometimes... that's another podcast episode. Oh, yeah. Love me some Lewis. <laughs> anyway. He was like, ladies, you need to, you know, sometimes you got to kiss the frog. And then, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and so I was like, what does that mean? And Brady goes, well, you know, like sometimes, you know, it takes a woman to mature a guy. And I was like, yeah, but okay, I don't think but. you don't, I think you should marry the frog. And he's yeah. like, oh, good point. So the I'm new, like, I don't want to be the guy's mom. That's not my job. Oh, no. So the new policy wanna, is no. like, you kiss the frog, marry the prince, though. Exactly. Like if he doesn't turn into a prince after you kiss oh, him, it's that's over. Good. Write it down. Write oh it yeah, down. I'm writing it down. Write it down. Write it down. Right I'm now. Live by that. <laughs> kiss uh, the frog, marry the prince. Mm. But I think definitely Captain Von Trapp <laughs> was a frog at the beginning he of the Sound of Music. Yeah. The whistle. Ugh. That was. Oh, if my dad ever Gosh. whistled at me to get me to come downstairs, I think I would probably like cry in the bathroom for like mm-hmm. four days and never talk to him again. I'm like, I already. <laughs> no, hate, sorry, like, Dad. I love you. Like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I already hate loud, startling, piercing sounds right off the bat. Like, girly pop grew up um, terrified of fire drills at school for that very reason. Mm. If somebody tried to summon me with a whistle, it's the end. I'm leaving. I'm packing up. I'm moving out. Yeah. It's the end. Like, how does, like, a woman feel desired in being whistled at? Literally, (laughs) she got catcalled in, like, the worst possible way. It wasn't even, like, ooh, you're attractive. It's like, oh, you are under my control. Get in here whenever I whistle. Objectification to the fun. How did she fall for him? When did this happen? I don't know. How did this happen? Let's talk about this. Okay. So, definitely... Hmm. My theory is that she fell for him when he sang when he sang Edelweiss. Yes, it had to be that. Yes. Wait. No. They literally talked about like when they when they fell for each other Did in they? the gazebo scene. He's like, "Do you know the moment I first started loving you?" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "When you sat on that silly pine cone." Oh. oh she said, "I knew as soon as you blew that silly whistle." So Are she you- like the whistle. No. no. Maria. Okay, maybe I won't have my Maria moment. I don't like the whistle. <laughs> Can't have a Maria moment because she doesn't like whistles. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Game over. Dang it. Guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, this kind of reminds me. This is really off topic, but I think I'm going to keep it in. But <laughs> so um, I have this game called What Do You Meme? It's a great time. Oh, I love that game. Oh, it's yeah. so fun. It's horrible. Some of the cards, like, I remember mm-hmm. when, fun story, when I got the first edition of What Do You Mean, my mom and, or, like, my mom and dad got it for me for my birthday or Christmas or something. But my mom, before she gave it to me, went through the whole box and pulled out all the bad cards. And I was so upset. And, like, I couldn't explain why I was upset because I was upset for a really bad reason. I was like, oh, now I can't have fun with my friends in, like, a really terrible way. And my mom was like, get over it. Either way. That's so funny because I have the same story (laughs) but the exact opposite, like, roles. I hid our copy of Cards Against Humanity in my closet for three years (laughs) because I didn't want to go scandal in my family. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was cleaning out my closet during COVID and I'm like, what's this? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, but there's a card in there that 
said it's like um, when you get catcalled and you secretly feel hot as hell. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's what Maria likes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know why. So she fell for the whistle. Yeah. Oh gosh. All right, um, Maria. So she's maybe got, okay. Maybe we need to reevaluate. Do a little psycho psychoanalysis in mm. here. So Maria probably that. had father issues growing up. That's yeah. And so she respects, you know, when people... That's the other thing, too, is that, like, her family isn't anywhere. Is Maria just an orphan? I don't think she's an orphan. orphan? Does Maria have family? Well, he asked her, is there anyone, like, that I need to ask permission for? And she didn't immediately say, like, oh, my parents. They just said... I was going to say, too, like, she seems like she had an awful easy time joining the convent. It's Um, true. She was just like, oh, you know, I'm... And she grew up in the community because she said, oh, I sang in the hills, like, yeah. my entire childhood. So I'm assuming it was... Maybe it was, like, a traumatic, like... And in something good, she sings the line, like, perhaps I had a wicked childhood, perhaps I had oh. a miserable youth. Oh, poor Maria. I bet her parents died and then she was taken in by the convent. Maybe. And that's why she feels like she needs to join because it's, like, her new family. Mm. Oh. Mm. Like, she walked down the aisle by herself also. She did. She did. She did. She did. Mm. Oh, Maria. Maria. Poor How do you girl. Solve a problem? Like Maria. <laughs> you can't. How did we get here? I don't the remember. Captain. The captain. captain. The captain. <laughs> Gosh. I it would kill me to stay on one topic for more than two minutes. <laughs> this is just this is my brain twenty four seven. No, the captain Yeah, so she fell in love with him when he whistled at her. Mm -hmm. Um, She fell, or he fell in love with her when she sat on the pine cone, Mm -hmm. which kind of rude that he knew that there was going to be a pine cone there and just like let it happen. I never, I never connected the dots. Yeah. Oh, and he, what? Yeah. But then when he started like singing again, because she brought music back into the house, like, I think she like slowly softened his heart. Yes. And I think also like, there was something in his, like, very, like, I don't want to say, like, kind of toxic masculinity in a way. Yeah. Masculinity is not yeah. toxic. That's not what I'm saying. But he was kind of, like, toxic to her a little bit. But I think she really needed, like, a manly kind of guy in, like, the, like, stereotypical sense mm-hmm. to convince her that, like, oh, like, I could be in love with a man, you know? That's true. Because up until this point, she's like, well, I'm going to join the convent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I follow. <laughs> I think also, oh, one thing I was thinking. So Maria is just like, I'm going to be a nun. And then she's sent off to be a governess. And then she never actually, like, talks about faith or God again, mm-hmm. really. Like, she prays before their first meal. But other than that, there's no, like, teaching the children about God. It's just, here's how to sing. That's true. And I'm like, cool. But you were just like, bro, I'm going to be a nun. And now you're just like music, kids, like, how did, mm. this, the change was a little abrupt. It was. That is pretty abrupt. Yes. And then she just goes back and she's like, oh, I want to be a nun again. Like, I think that her discernment there may have been a little off, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I Which can see that. Which Mother Superior definitely could tell. Yeah. Because Mother I think Superior. she knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. Like, they always know what's up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's true. I suppose she, like, I don't know, we get the one scene where she during the storm, like, goes down by the bedside and, like, prays and says her nightly prayers. Mm-hmm. Oh, God bless Kurt. God bless what's-his-name. <laughs> yeah. That's me in most of my prayers. I'm just like, I know I said I would pray for somebody earlier today, and I can't remember who it was. God bless what's-his-name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, that is that is true. I suppose, I don't know. I guess it reflects a little bit more on the fact that it was 
written as a Broadway musical, mm-hmm. adapted into a major motion picture. Yeah, true. In the 60s. Yeah, so. also. Hmm. I gotcha. But, yeah, that is interesting. They Yeah, they really did incorporate a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of her fake life into it. And that may have just been, like, I mean, the focus definitely was on the kids and, like, saving the family. Mm -hmm. So I could see how that would be part of it. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, like, their wedding was a Catholic mass. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was a massive ordeal. Very beautiful. Massive. Massive Massive. ordeal. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. I need to keep a tally count of how many jokes it takes before I ruin Allison's podcast. (laughs) It's okay. You can't ruin it. Okay. I already have. (laughs) Shut up. Yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting kind of... Yeah. I just enjoy doing it. That's what I I literally said on the episode I released last week. I was like, even if none of you listened, I would still do this because I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time doing this. Oh, this is so fun. Even if it never gets released, I'm just like, dude, we created a podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'll get released. Yeah. Probably tonight because I just like... (laughs) need to get the ball moving because I don't Mm -hmm. like not having work to show you know yeah I like to accomplish things and it's on my checklist to do this podcast so if I finish it and edit it then Mm -hmm. I can actually just like release it okay I'll do it it for your own instant gratification okay okay yes cool I'll need you to sign a waiver to say that whatever I you know edit and make it sound like Mm -hmm. you know if you start preaching heresy because I edit this video you have to be okay with it okay just so you know so let's just fast track Emmaism. Let's get that. Let's mm-hmm. get that heresy. Let's yeah. get the ball rolling on that on, on that heresy in the church. Yeah. Emmaism is all about. Um, what are you about? Um, what am I about? Well, you're about people laughing loudly in the yeah, hallway no while we're trying to record in a public place. <laughs> I'm about. <laughs> How dare they use the same spaces? Oh my goodness. Don't you know we're recording a podcast Don't in here? Don't you know the world revolves around us? That's yeah. Emmaism. The world revolves around me. It's, yeah. I mean, like, literally growing up, I stopped responding to my own name in the hallways because there were so many other girls in my class named Emma mm. that half the time I turned around and it wasn't me. So, quite literally, the world revolves around me. I'm kidding. Truly. Truly. Hmm. I think that's a great, a great heresy. Um, the <laughs> world does not revolve around the sun anymore. It's actually Emma. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah. It's true. Take notes. Take notes, people. I don't know if that's heresy or just, like, bad science, yeah. actually. Because I don't think anywhere in... I am a pretty terrible scientist, so that checks out. Does the catechism say anything about the world revolves around the sun? I don't know. Does the catechism Should address flat earth? I haven't made it that far in catechism in a year. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I haven't even listened to Catechism in a year, so you're doing better than me. I'm like 120 days behind, and I don't even think we're that far into the year. No, we are not. No, we're not. We're like 108, I think. Yeah, we are. 109, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually negative 11 days into the podcast. (laughs) I am the future. Yes, exactly. She's actually so far ahead that she's only 11 days from finishing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does math work like that? Yes, it does. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm going into computer science one of my brain. I think we need to get out of here. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's go back to <clears throat> marriage. Let's talk about marriage. Marriage. Woo! Oh, my favorite. Yeah, so they're, like, married now, you know, because <laughs> um, they have that beautiful wedding and everything after she falls in love with him because he whistled at her, um, and she decided, <laughs> okay, let's just talk. I think it was definitely big sus 
that he was, like, going for months at a time to go visit his girlfriend and leaving his kids at home alone. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to say. That's not a great dad move. It's not a great dad move. Also, like, we here in the Catholic Church don't really believe in cohabitation mm-hmm. or premarital sex or anything. And I feel like it was very implied that he was going was over there. It was very implied. He was going for the goods. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, you're going to go visit the Baroness? He's like, yep, I am. How long this? How long will you be gone this time, Father? A month. A month? What is he doing there for a month? You would get so bored of someone after a month. Oh, when I bring you back, Uncle Max. Uncle Max! <laughs> I can never get bored of Uncle Max. Oh, no. No. Even when Uncle Max is trying to get the family to be Nazis and, you know, signs them up for a music conference or whatever. It, music yeah. festival without really telling them. Mm-hmm. He's like, ha-ha, they're gone on their honeymoon. Also, okay... So he's talking about this music festival, you know, when he's still, when the captain is still dating the Baroness, Mm -hmm. okay? And then, next thing you know, the music festival happens at least a month after their wedding, because they're getting back from their honeymoon after a month. So, either he had a really long time to prepare for this music festival, or they got married a week after he proposed. And there's no in-between. I believe it. I bet they got married, like, a week later. I also bet they got married a week later. I'm sure Maria was just like, oh, he proposed? I'm going to go inside and start sewing my wedding dress. I know people who've, like, met and gotten married within six months. I'm like, that's crazy to me. I... Well, I mean, it's the 369, you know? 369, is there a rule? Yeah, it's uh, three months of dating, six months of engagement, and then um, nine months pregnant right after that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most Catholic thing I've heard all week. Oh, my goodness. And then it's, like, it's 369... Two nine two nine two nine. From there on out, basically. <laughs> poor mother. <laughs> so then you have you know seven kids by the age of twenty eight. You know, married at twenty. Of course. Every part of me hurts thinking about that. <laughs> you said you wanted to marry a man with seven kids. Like, that's, yeah, that's the point. That he already has the seven kids. You don't have to do any of the. You don't. You don't. But do you think Maria had kids after this movie? I mean, she's pretty young. She is. That's true. And so, and men can produce sperm any age of their life. This is true. There is. So, Maria could have had seven more kids. There is a president from, like, the 1800s who still has a grandchild alive because of that. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I don't like that. It's really weird. I don't like to think about that. Gross. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, marriage. Marriage. So, they had, well, I guess we can assume that Maria had kids. Yeah. I feel like she would. I think she would. She... Great mother vibes. Yeah. But probably only, like, two or three. Yeah. Like, they already have seven to take care of. And I'm sure, even though Maria's amazing, there had to be a little bit of, like, tension between, like, oh, you're our new mom. How do we adjust to this kind of a thing? Also, I don't think that she's that much older than Liesl. I don't think so. Like, Liesl's 16 going on 17. Mm Mm-hmm. And Maria's definitely, like, 22, 25. Mm. She's young. I never thought about how old Maria was, honestly. She's definitely young. She just, like, kind of exists in her own age category. I'm just like, that's Julie Andrews. She just doesn't age. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music is also the same age as Julie Andrews in The Princess Diaries 2. Yeah. The Royal Engagement. Yeah. When she wears that phenomenal dress. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's beautiful. And, oh, can we we talk about, okay. Favorite outfit from uh, uh, Princess Diaries 2. The flannel PJ. Maybe not flannel PJs, but whatever they're wearing when they're in, like, the... Oh, mattress serving? The mattress serving. Yes. She just looks regal. Like, mm. when she puts the hood up and she just looks like the fairy godmother. Oh, for sure. Regal. For sure. Either that or... And she did her own stunts. She did do her own stunts. I'm thinking... 
I don't know. I have to go with her coronation gown. Mm. Wasn't that the one where it was like the like shimmery like? Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably. I've only seen this movie once. Disclaimer. So that's like the only scene I know of. Mm, okay. Okay. So I'm probably not qualified to talk about that. Yes. But... Let's go back. Favorite outfit in The Sound of Music. Yeah. <sighs> anyone's. Um, anyone's. See now I feel like I have to bring it. Oh, the poor didn't want this one. <laughs> That was quite a terrible dress. Yeah. My favorite one, I, like, only just connected the dots to this one a few months ago, was um, the one where, like, right before Maria comes in and sings, like, Climb Every Mountain and stuff like that, they send a postulant off to, like, the roving group. And she's like, oh, you can, like, it's it's this new woman. She's, like, a green, bluish, flowery dress. Mm -hmm. And she walks away. And you're like, why would she be here for, like, two seconds in this mm-hmm. movie. Why, literally, why did we need to watch oh. that? And then when Maria returns to the children after a climb every mountain, she's she is wearing that dress. Oh, because I'm sure that she just, like... Uh-huh, because they just give all the clothes away to the poor. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. I like that. I mean, other than the wedding dress, of course, that has to be of the course. best outfit. I love... Oh, my goodness. I have to go with, like, the blue dress from the gazebo scene. Mm, it is a beautiful dress. That's probably a really... I think it is the same one that she wore during Edelweiss. Because the Baroness told her, like, oh, why don't you wear this lovely dress when the captain couldn't take his eyes off of you? And then Maria's like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, the cat, what? She's like, oh, don't be foolish. Don't pretend like we don't notice when a man notices us. Which, like... I think that the Baroness has a point there. She's not wrong. She's not (laughs) wrong. Like, we definitely notice when a guy is, like... We do. Guys, we're not... Yeah. I know you're oblivious. We're not. I know. I know. I, I act like I am. I'm not. See, the thing is, is that, like, that is such a hard thing about being a woman is that we notice when a guy likes us. Yes. But then we want him to ask us out. Yep. And so it's just, like, this waiting game of life. And it's super awkward because we're, like, really is. we know that you like us. You just have not asked us out yet. I feel like we talk about this, like, at least once every two weeks. Oh, yeah. For sure. And it's so funny to me every time. And, like, the thing is, is, like... Yeah, we are not oblivious. And I know. And guys are. I think half the time we notice that a guy likes us before he notices that he likes us. Right? <laughs> Which is really awkward. It is. <laughs> it is. It's like you don't notice what you're doing, but I can see it. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on, buddy? Yeah. And so, like, it I makes think me laugh. we're just like so in tune to people's emotions, though. Yeah. Like, anyone, you know, I think that just like as women, we can like look at someone and say, Oh, I kind of know what you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. You're probably not feeling great. I'm going to give you a hug. Or I'm going to leave you alone because you actually hate physical touch. <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, I've hugged you before, but we took okay, a while okay. to get there. Yeah, there, there's levels to it. There's I, levels. I was just talking about this with a friend today where it's just like, we feel like, oh my goodness, there's different like levels to each of the love languages where it's like some of them have a lower barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. But almost, like, some of them mean more to us. Because I know that I have a much higher, bar- like, barrier to entry, I guess, with physical touch. Because mm-hmm. I'm just, like, number one, I prefer that people ask before they touch me. Number two, I prefer that I, like, know a person pretty well before I'm just, like, I don't know, giving hugs left and right. Um, but it's, like, I don't know. It just means so much more to me. And I don't think that it does. And I mm-hmm. didn't think that it did until I just, like, experienced it. I'm just, like, oh, this means a lot. Yeah. This means a lot. Like, I get it. I think, not for me to go too deep here, but, like... This is a podcast, after all. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We can talk about anything on a podcast, and it means nobody is going to come after us, because we're allowed to share everything about our lives here. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm qualified with a PhD. Podcast yes. has depth. Yes. Mm. PhD. New <laughs> new meaning. I actually have one. Um, <laughs> but I think I realized, so I used to always say like, ooh, I hate physical touch so much. Yeah. And like, I think I was just so uncomfortable with it because like, I didn't realize how much I actually like desire physical touch, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, so like, it's like such a deep thing. Yeah. Like for me to like give someone a hug or like to receive like an affectionate, like a like they talk about like affirming touch mm-hmm. you know like a nice like hand on the shoulder or like okay literally anybody you put your hand on my shoulder i'm falling in love it's a problem <laughs> it is a problem but it's like it's something that i like desired so much but i like didn't know that i actually wanted that and i think it also came from like so much of like our society telling you that like oh any physical touch is for like you know, like, a sexual interaction or, Mm -hmm. like, it's just an opportunity for lust that it was, like, oh, I actually, like, wanted physical touch, but so much in my brain it's told me, like, this is for use, you know? And so I was, like, I don't like physical touch because I don't like being used. See, that's what, like, kind of gets me sometimes whenever we have, like, the whole purity talk in church, you know, the classic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, like, a lot of people ask the question, like, how far is too far? Um, Which... Oh, I hate sends that question. Me up a wall, sends Ugh. me up a wall every time. It's like, okay, we're asking the wrong question. Number one, how much can I love you? How about that? Like, mm-hmm. and still, you know. Yeah, and like, what is too far for different couples is going to be different. Yeah, like for one, I mean, there. I are- mean, for the longest time, handholding was too far for me. I'm just like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think about just the fact that, like, okay. Um, for, I mean, there are certain lines that, like, you can't cross no matter what before you're married. Right. Like, you know, no premarital sex. No. Um, there are, like, certain things, like... Maybe don't sleep in the same bed. Don't sleep in the same bed. If I don't have the body part, I'm not touching it. You know, that's a good rule. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't have it, don't be touching it. (laughs) With an asterisk on the butts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a, there's a, a butt loophole there, but... But... (laughs) But I think that, yeah, like, for some couples, you know, they could be um, holding hands, and, like, that's not a big deal. But, yeah, like, for some people, it's like, oh, if you hold my hand, like, we're getting married. Yeah. Or, like, you're holding my hand, oh, I'm kind of, like, using you for that. Like, phys- like that's hard mm-hmm. to say, like, oh, hand-holding could See, be, but, yeah. like, using physical touch. But actually, it could be. Yeah. I was just reading about um, this in one of the books I'm doing a book study on right now, um, Edward Sree's. Uh, reflections on John Paul II's uh, love and responsibility. Oh. And chapter 10. Let me tell y'all, chapter 10 is a banger. I, like, oh, girly pop <laughs> spent a very intense holy hour with chapter 10. Just kind of, it literally opens with, like, oh, um, holding hands and, like, kissing. And it's like, that's nice. But what if it's utilitarianism? And I'm like, I don't know. What if? I don't want to think about that. Yeah, that's, like, a crazy thing. Like, what is... What seems so commonplace could be mm-hmm. something that is, like, an opportunity for use in so many yeah. different ways. Because they are ways for us to express, like, the love that we have for one another. But mm-hmm. if it's that, if that, like, becomes the main event in itself, then, yeah, it's, it can be use. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, a what? Yeah. I, I think about that, too. I think it also depends on, like, how deep your emotional relationship has gotten. That was another thing that they talked about, too, was that it's, like, taking the time to establish that like foundation of emotional mm-hmm. um like intimacy and kind of the, the the basis of the relationship before entering into a lot of those like acts because once you have it it's like well if the emotions are running so high it's like why mm-hmm. do we need to do any of the other work yeah it's true i think it's like you're 
emotions need to match like the physical intimacy you have yes, both in exactly. like both in like your like physical intimacy needs to be like you need to be at an emotional level before you can like act in certain ways of physical intimacy but also like if there's a line that you have to draw physically mm-hmm. there also has to be a line you draw emotionally mm-hmm. because you could be like yeah very emotional and vulnerable with somebody um and that like lines up with certain physical acts yeah. that your relationship is not at yeah which is why it's, like, that's something that is cool that they say, um, like, there are certain things that you won't even, like, share with your spouse until you're married. Because mm-hmm. those are the things that, like, line up with, like, that's actually having sex. That's something on a lot, too, where it's <laughs> just, like, oh, emotional boundaries, those are a thing, too. Huh. I, but, need, I need to shut up. Yeah. Like, there's so many times where I'm, like, wait, what are emotional boundaries? And then there's like, no, like, rule book for, like, you are allowed to talk about this, but not this. Yeah. Like, but what? Sometimes I'll just leave a conversation and I'm just, like... I said too much. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> it happens way too much. Me too. Because you, in the moment, you're like, oh. It's like once the ball's rolling, it's like, well. Yeah. And then you now end I'm up sharing like. my heart. Yeah. And then you just like tell about your childhood drama and you're like, well, didn't mean to go there. Um, cool. Now you know. Mm-hmm. And I would the- like to apologize to everyone in the student lounge who has heard the talk <laughs> ever. It takes so little for me to talk about anything. <laughs> Somebody just says, oh, you know, friendship. And I'm like, let me tell you about Let me tell you about friendship. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. How did we get here? We're talking about the sound of music. We are. Supposedly. Um, We were talking about marriage. And then we went to, let me retrace my steps here. Yeah. Marriage. Wedding. When, oh. That they had kids. When, like, the captain first noticed Maria and the Baroness makes the comment, like, oh, oh, yeah. Let's not pretend we don't notice when a man notices us. We do notice. Men, take notes. Men, we do we notice. Know. We know. So if you like a girl and you may not realize that you are showing some type of affection, she knows. She's waiting for you to ask her out. Do it. We know before you do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we do. And we're willing to be patient until you realize. But once you realize, you... The thing I've realized Ugh. is that to be in love with someone is a call to action, either to step away from the relationship or to step into it. Discernment is meant to lead toward decision. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So to be in love with... The only way to keep a bike upright is to keep it moving forward. That is so true. I love that. Where did you learn that? I, one of my, um, like, youth group leaders said that my senior year of high school when we were just raking leaves. And I'm like, you can't just drop a bomb like that. They are literally the, the to... smartest person I've ever met. Like, right? my entire discernment. That has, like, discernment. been my mantra for discernment for the last four years. Honestly, and honestly, like, like, yeah, sometimes I have taken the bike the wrong way. And God has let me know. Mm-hmm. He has very much let me know. Yes. And so what do I do? I turn the bike around. I feel like talking about discernment is good for the sound of music because Maria is kind of discerning religious life and marriage here. And And she is taking action in both directions. What I've realized is like discernment is like if I'm driving a car and I'm trying to get to a destination, like the destination stays the same. But every time I like stop and I'm like, should I take this route or this route? Like Mm -hmm. that's the time of discernment. And then you like keep moving and everything. But eventually you're still going to end up in the same place. And like if you take a wrong turn, you can still like correct yourself and get back on the right path. You can turn around a car that's moving. You can't turn around one that's just sitting still. No, you can't. So you have to move. Mm -hmm. Cool. Gentlemen, make a move. Make a move. Ask the girl (laughs) out. If she says no... Then That's you can okay. you can move on so much quicker if she says no. This is true. Like if you ask a girl out and then or if you don't ask a girl out and you're just like, ooh, what if I did? What if I did? You're gonna keep thinking like, ooh, what if I did? And then you stuff. never know. 
And then you build up a lot of emotions. So then it hurts more when she says no. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, hey, I kind of like this girl. I should ask her out. And then she says no. You're like, oh, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. But if you've built it up in your head for a really long time that you really like this girl. And then she says no. That's a lot harder to get over. Welcome to the Dating Advice Podcast with yes. Allison and Emma. Sorry that the sound of music just turned into us talking about dating. But it needed to be done. It kind of, you know what? You know what? I think about dating every time I watch the sound of music. Honestly. A little too much. Truly. That's a good one. Because it's like, at the beginning, you're like, yeah, I want to be a nun. And then you watch them fall in love again, and you're like, do I really? See, this? Uh, the movie can sometimes be a little dangerous for my vocation, because like mm. I say, I want my Maria moment. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's really good to recognize that, like, yeah, both vocations. Oh, this is a great thing for us to talk about. Both yeah. vocations are very beautiful. Yeah. This is something that I recognize, too. It's like, every time I watch the movie, I fall so deeply in love with both vocations. I'm like, oh my gosh. Every time I watch the beginning of the movie, I just sit in a trance watching, um, I want to say it's, whatever divine office they're doing where they're singing Alleluia, and it's just like all the nuns are moving in like this just giant stone abbey and they're moving towards the chapel, Mm -hmm. and it's just... There's beautiful voices singing towards heaven, and everybody is just there, like, praising God. It's so beautiful. And I'm just like, I want that. I want that. I want that. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, I want that. But then I watch the gazebo scene, and I'm like, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But then I watch Liesl and Rolf, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think what Liesl and Rolf teach us is that high school relationships suck. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. I also, remember watching this movie as a kid and being like, oh my gosh, Liesl's like so old and mature and I can't wait until I'm 16. I'm going to feel like such an adult. And now I watch this and I'm like, you were an idiot. You were a literal child. Mm-hmm. How did I ever? But I also know that I was Liesl, so I can't really say yeah. anything. And you never know when your boyfriend is going to turn out to be a Nazi. Yeah. Let's just say it. Ah, oh, shucks. Hate when that happens. I'm yeah. Kidding. That's what happened. <laughs> it's only happened like twice to me, so. What? What? <laughs> No. Whoa, we got a lot to unpack here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's my trauma that uh, mm. we're going to dive into on our next podcast. Okay. <laughs> so marriage, religious life, both very beautiful. Mm. Both. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about vocations. For those of you who are listening who are like, what are vocations? Um, vocation, there's capital V and lowercase v. Lowercase v is like, correct me if I'm wrong. Ugh, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, so lowercase v vocation is, um, just like what you're called to do in your like everyday life. That Mm -hmm. would be like the job you're supposed to have or where you're going to live, kind of things like that. Like Like, for example, us as college students right now, our lower v vocation is to be students. And so it is prudent that we spend time to study, go to our exams, attend classes. Um, we won't talk about my track record with that, but. Yeah, see, I'm completely online right now. So I actually don't go to class Hmm. ever. Mm, I just nice. work at the bakery at weird hours and sleep during the day and somehow get it all done. Okay, so your lower V vocation is to be an owl who bakes. I like it. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, uppercase V vocation is like the higher calling on your life. So that would be the vocation of marriage, religious life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means like being a nun or a sister or being a religious brother. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, for men, you can also be called to the diocesan priesthood. As the Reverend Mother likes to say, it is how God calls us to spend our love. It's true. It's very true. Um, So those, like, uppercase V vocations are more important than your lowercase V vocations, 
but the two of them work together to create kind of like a whole way in which like first uppercase v is like how do we love the people around us and how do we love god and then the the lowercase v is like how do we build up the church here on earth um so that's what vocations are yeah woo 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 so sound of music all about vocations you can finish the movie and say i want to be a nun or i want to be married both good mm-hmm. both great what I take away from the movie every time, nuns are BAs. Reverend Mother, I have sinned. I love that part. Take down the Nazis. Let's go. Honestly, the nuns could do it. They could. They could. They could. They do. They do. Yeah, basically. They are the reason the Von Trapp family makes it out. Mm-hmm. Because they give them their car and then sabotage the Nazi cars. That's I love it. That's kind of I want to be. Yes. <laughs> I could see it, you know, when the Nazis in- invade Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You let me know. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. I'm I was like, I watched the sound of music. The acres of farm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Oh yes. Just me riding on my little ATV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can no, see it. No, seriously. We went. Veil blowing in the wind. One of the nuns took us on an ATV ride across all the farmland. And and we went into a valley that has a creek that literally looks like it's straight out of the first scene of the movie. I was just like, I didn't think this was real. I want to live here forever. That is so cool. I love that creek with my life. Yes. I love most creeks with my life. So beautiful. If you Uh, want me to fall in love with you, give me a creek. Honestly, I have always said that um, I am not picky. I don't need anything except for a porch swing. Yep. My dream is to be proposed to on a porch swing. So if my future (laughs) husband is listening to this, porch swing, please. Um, It doesn't matter where. Just like... Just... Just a porch swing. You could just like... Attach a porch swing or detach a porch swing and bring it anywhere in the world. Yeah, pretty much. Like in a truck bed. Yeah. Park it outside of a Walmart parking lot. I would say yes. Wow, that's dedication. Yeah, if he knew. That's dedication. If he knew that I wanted a porch swing, like that's where I want to be proposed to. Mm. If he knew, I'd say yes. <laughs> there's there's this porch swing at McFarland Park that I really like to go to, but the park is closed now because they completely like dredged out the lake, and so. Yeah. I needed, like, an emotional, like, vent time. And so I drove out there, and it was closed. No. I was like, no, where am I going to find a porch swing now? Ugh. Before the porch swing, or before it was closed down, I went out to the porch swing once, and they had goats in, like, this pen behind the porch swing, and they were just, like, eating up all the brush. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty cool. Did you say goats? Yeah, there were goats. Speaking of goats. Goats! we got to talk about goats <gasps> before we go. <gasps> that is so good. Okay, so I was saying I went to a, like, big live viewing of The Sound of Music mm-hmm. at, like, a theater theater. It was the Orpheum in Minneapolis, so, like, theater theater. Oh, yeah. Big screen. Big screen. They give us a bag of goodies, and it's, like, all these items that we have to, like, hold up and wave at different points in the mm-hmm. movie. It's, like, yes. like I said, anytime the Baroness came on screen, <laughs> um... <laughs> um during Maria, we had to hold up, like, a card that had, like, a little creature on it that was called a flipperty gibbet. And we're just like, oh, wave that in the air. Mm-hmm. And then when they say the line, like, a flipperty gibbet, a will the wisp a clown, we had to honk our noses and go, rah, rah. <laughs> So we're watching The Lonely Goat Herd mm-hmm. on this giant screen. These puppets already freak me out a little bit. Yeah. On um, a small, portable little DVD player, which is where I watch The Sound of Music most times. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine that blown up on, like, a theater theater oh. screen. And then I'm just like, I am scared. 
Yeah. I don't like it. I would be scared for my life. I don't like it. Also, I- kind of amazed with how those kids became puppeteers in, like, two days. Yeah. They just, like, bought this fancy puppet show thing. Also, they just bought it. Like... Yeah. Imagine having that kind of money. I want that kind of money. I don't, actually. But... I d- yeah. I'm, like... I'm so good with the life. I'm like, that's too much money. I'm good with the life of poverty, but also, like, I would love a puppet show like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not a puppeteer, nor will I ever be. I know that the second I get, like, a big girl salary, I'm going to spend it all on puzzles and crafts. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for you. Thanks. You too. I'm just going to spend it on my student loans, basically. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, kind of forgot about those. Yeah. Puzzles first, student loans second. Those Mm -hmm. are my priorities. Yeah, basically. You're going to have to have a puzzle budget. Yeah. For sure. Um, I love... The goat herd. The, I just, like, they are clearly, like, when you, when they show, like, the scenes of them up top, they are clearly not doing it. No. They're just kind of, like, moving their hands around. We're just around. moving things around. <laughs> and I'm like, know what's going on. Like, you are not actually controlling those puppets. No. But they try so hard. Yeah. They do. They and do then the dad the is best. just like, wow, this is amazing. My kids are phenomenal. And I'm like. Finally, they had to do a goat puppet show for you it's to realize like Maria it. Maria has to yell at Marta to like pull the screen down for every scene. I'm like, Marta. Marta. really? Marta's like Marta, sitting there reading a book. Get like, it together. Marta is me. I would do that. I think Margarita's the one that reads. Is it? Yeah. Marta's the one that wants the pink parasol. Oh, yes, yes. She does. Well, Forgetting I'm... to change scenes gives pink parasol energy. It does. She was just thinking about that parasol the whole she time. She really was. She's like, I can't change the scene. I hope she scene. got her pink parasol. I bet she did. I think she did. For sure. Yeah. She's a very cute kid. She's so cute. I love Marta. I love Gretel. Oh, I love Kurt. Gretel. I love Kurt. 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 Oh. Oh, Kurt's my boy. <laughs> what is the other one? There's uh, Liesel. Friedrich. Friedrich. Lisa, Brigida. Kurt. Marta. Gretel. Yes. Yes. Gretel is five years old, despite the fact that their mother died several years ago. Yes. I'm not really sure how that all works I out. I also don't know how that worked out. I wonder if her mother died in childbirth. I wonder, too. That could have been pretty tragic. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Poor Gretel. Poor baby. Well, now she gets Maria. Yeah, that's Lucky true. Duck. Yeah, and then hopefully new siblings, too. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, we won't see, actually, but... I think to close us off here, we're gonna... Yeah, we're just gonna end it. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't know fellas, how to do this. porch swings. Fellas, yeah, fellas, ask your... Porch swings. Ask your girl out, whistle at her. Apparently, girls like that... <laughs> You will, you will change a girl. Like, okay, if you like this girl who thinks she wants to be a nun, if you whistle at her once, mm-hmm. it's over. <laughs> yep. That's it. She will be yours forever. That's the call to my heart. Pretty much. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, guys, ask your girls out. Um, look more into nuns. Yeah, if you have questions, um, Google has some great answers. Just, like, find a nun and talk to her. She would love to tell you about her habit or her novitiate. Mm-hmm. Um so, very cool. Lots of orders have vocation directors. Yeah, so if, if you're... If you're ever curious, like, genuinely, there are so many that are willing to just, like, sit on a phone call and talk about vocation and God and love and all that fun stuff. Yeah, every time it's I've asked a nun if I can call her about her religious order, she's always like, yes, I would love mm-hmm. to. So, if you're thinking about discerning um, a religious vocation... Go for it. Call the nuns. I'm telling you, they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They do. They want you to come visit. They have... Okay, for some reason, just like side tangent real quick, convents have great food. They do. No, literally. The convent that I'm discerning with, one of their charisms is hospitality. And so, like, I stay in this guest house, and it's just like a fully fully loaded pantry every single time. That's and amazing. And it makes me so happy. I was so excited to just, like, 
Ugh. And, like, all their food is donated. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's, like, so cool to see that, like... Actually, in my case, it wasn't, but... Oh, yeah. okay. Well... They make their own money. Oh, true, true. Because they make candy. Because they have a candy factory. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Guys, literally the coolest place ever. <laughs> the the convent I visited, all of their food is donated. But they, like, had amazing food the whole time we were there. So, yes, um, they have great food. So, if you go visit a convent, you will have great food. Yes, you will. It will be amazing. Um, so, yeah... Guys, ask girls out. Girls, if you don't want a guy to ask you out because you want to be a religious sister, call a vocations director. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're getting from The Sound of Music today. Yeah, we are. Um, and I think that's it. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Entertainment Inquisition. Next time we'll be back. We're going to be talking about kind of an older movie, which will be really great. I've actually never mm-hmm. watched it, so it's going to be my first time and all of you will get to hear just like really my opinion on it i think it'll be really great um so yeah come back for that probably very soon um but thank you emma for joining me today talking about the sound of music thank you for having me on your podcast it was an absolute blast oh of course of course i think i might have to start a podcast just about the sound of music yes you just break down every single song Uh and then once you finish all of them you go back and do it again (gasps) the one bit of research that i did that I forgot to mention. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, okay, so when Rodgers and Hammerstein were writing the musical in 1959, they were writing Climb Every Mountain and were consulting with Sister Gregory, I think was her name. She was okay. this lovely little nun from Illinois. Apparently, um, what they had put together for the first draft of Climb Every Mountain was so just like awe-inspiring that it sent her running, quote, running to the chapel. Oh my goodness. Do you ever just write a song that is so good and hits to the core so deep it sends a nun running to the chapel? <laughs> Listen to Climb Every Mountain. Yes. So that is our ending note today. Go listen to Climb Every Mountain. No matter what you are doing right now, go do it right now. Ford every stream. Follow every rainbow until you find your dream. Of course. Mm. And my dream is to see you guys next time on the Entertainment Inquisition. Bye. Bye.